0: So it's the end of our journey in Ecclesiastes. Many of you, I'm sure, uh, will be delighted with that news. Uh, we had a lovely break last weekend. Uh, we went right to the end of the Bible and looked at Revelation. Uh, and we, uh, we spent some time thinking of heaven. And that was a good time. But back into Ecclesiastes, you know the message isn't that different. It's living in light of the future. Uh, has been the teacher's message within Ecclesiastes. But there's so much, so much to dig out. There's been so many different messages that have woven together. Uh, Some has been confusing. Uh, Others perhaps have been eye-opening, conviction. But this is it. We come to the end uh, of our time together in Ecclesiastes. Do you remember the start? Meaningless, meaningless. Here's the teacher, vanity of vanities is another way of saying it. In the Hebrew, hevel, that's the word, hevel, hevel, everything is utterly hevel. This phrase appears 38 times throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. This is life. Remember the picture, one big picture of Ecclesiastes. Like a child chasing after bubbles. The teacher says that this is life run after the bubble, Uh, the the bubble is floating in the air, and the child, sorry, it's not that I'm too used to running after bubbles, I'm the one blowing them. And the child sprints after them, trying to grasp hold of it. And the teacher says, that's like life. Chasing after bubbles, trying to grasp hold of them, for them to disappear in hand. Life is temporary, fleeting life is an enigma it's a paradox it seems absurd and contradictory three words that have been quite common um, throughout simon and johnny and myself's teaching um, here's the teacher and he's blunt and it's gritty and it's brutal as i've listened through the podcast those words keep cropping up blunt gritty brutal the big picture of Ecclesiastes we do not live forever yet we learn to live by preparing to die blunt gritty brutal but needed needed for me and i just want to indulge you to indulge with me for a few moments here are the lessons that i've learned in Ecclesiastes Uh, I wonder where you went in your conversation when Simon said, talk about Ecclesiastes, things that you've learned, things that you picked up. Uh, Here are some of the things that I have. It's not a comprehensive list. There's just a few uh, that I've pulled up. Here's the first. Learn to live well means to prepare for the inevitable death. It's coming. It's a reality. I think there are three occasions this week alone uh, where I... Came face to face with people um, who have faced death, uh, the prospect of death, very recently. We were at a friend's uh, yesterday, uh, old friend's uh, at Magdalene Road Church. And the lady there, dear old lady, used to lead the junior church, used to lead Corabel and Tommy, uh, and she has cancer. uh, And it will, in the end, kill her. And we had a good hour with her yesterday talking about death. On Wednesday, I go to a friend's, fu- a friend's brother's funeral, 42 years old. He's died on cancer. So that's Wednesday uh, coming. Uh, and there was a, a friend recently in critical condition in hospital. Three days facing death in the face. Look, the teacher in Ecclesiastes says, This is how to live well. Prepare for the inevitable. It's inevitable. It's all around us. And it will happen to each one of us. Here's the second thing, pursuing projects, pleasure and people will not satisfy. Chapter one, do you remember that? The king who had everything and tried everything, who built the greatest buildings and reservoirs, who pleased himself with all that he wanted and people to fulfil all his needs. Later on in chapter nine, The teacher says, look, go, eat your food with gladness, drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white, always anoint your head with oil, enjoy life with your wife whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days, for this is your lot in life and your toilsome labour under the sun. Here's the teacher, paradoxically, he's saying, the best way to live and truly enjoy life is to embrace heaven, to embrace the meaningless, to embrace the project, the pleasure, the people, to embrace. But if you try and find gain in them, there will not be gain. Good things are a gift from God and should be enjoyed as a gift from God. The moment we try and find purpose and gain, they won't. So, enjoy a good meal out, says the teacher. Enjoy a decent holiday. Enjoy football, a cold beer, gardening, a walk in the hills, good coffee. The teacher says enjoy, but don't try and find fulfillment from them. You'll not gain from them. There's no gain to be found. And we're always thinking, well, what is the teacher saying? Is he saying just enjoy a hedonistic life, pleasure, 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 go for it? No, the teacher says that too is heaven. That too is meaningless. No gain to be found in them. Just wonderful gifts from God. Here's the third point. Stop trying to grasp control of life. It's not ours to control. In 1 verse 3, 11 verse 7, 12 verse 7, we see living life. We see work. We see the teacher talking about gain and meaning from the work. Our hands that we put to work. See, all the human advancement and the world will not care the sun sets the waves crash upon the shore and you will be forgotten stop trying to control life your life and then fourthly wisdom commends a life of loving others as johnny helped us see that wisdom commends a life lived for others in love so even when I talk about those four things, that lessons have l- been learned for me, there's still confusion. I'm still trying to work out exactly what the message is from Ecclesiastes. I, I pick bits up and think, oh, I've got it. Is that the driving force uh, of the book? Is that what the teacher uh, wants to tell me? Well, it's for certain that we all share a common destiny. That's for certain. Chapter 9, verse 2. The righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices, those who don't. Verse 5. For the living know that they will die. That's one big message. We all share a common destiny. And so we learn to live by preparing to die. So let's conclude. There's some of my things that I've grasped uh, through looking at Ecclesiastes, and it's been a huge challenge and wake-up call as I think I heard Johnny say it and Simon have said it. I think chapter 12, the end of chapter 12, as the teacher helps us grasp, summary. It's like the headmaster who gathers the children round for one last time, before they head home. So what have we learned today? What have we learnt this week? And here's the summary. Look verse nine of chapter 12, and we'll spend the rest of our time in here. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set. In order many proverbs, the teacher searched to find just the right words and what he wrote was upright and true. Verse 11, the words of the wise are like goads, their collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them, of making many books, there is no end, and much study, wearies the body? Here's the teacher. He's concluding. Come, just one last thing. What have we learnt? Well, we know from the teacher he's wise, he imparts knowledge. He worked really hard to choose the right words. This wasn't just a, a shambles of information that he threw together, which some of us might think that's what Ecclesiastes is. What he has found is upright and true. And what I have now is God's word in front of me. And I trust that God's word will do its work, that all scripture is God-breathed. And see what we we have here as God's word. See what God's word is. The, The words of the wise, the teacher says, are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails. Goads, what are goads? Other places of the Bible, God's word, words for the wise. It's like a lamp unto our feet, says Psalm 119, God's word says. It's like honey to our lips. I can stomach that, but a goad. A, a goad with what? With, with firmly embedded nails. This is the saying of the teacher. This is what a goad was. It was used by shepherds in the ancient world. To drive herds from one place to another. So the shepherd would have this long staff. This was a goat. Nails embedded into the long staff. And he would walk with the flock. And when one sheep or goat would turn to the right, just a little tap. A tap enough for the sheep or the, the, the goat to feel it and come back in line. Or one wander off to the left. Little tap. Back it comes in line. The goad keeps the herd moving, keeps the herd together. The teacher says that's what we're meant to feel from all that he's found. The teaching in Ecclesiastes is meant to prod. It's meant to probe. And for many of us, I'm sure we've gone, oh, I don't like that. I can't stomach that. I'm not buying that surely he's wrong but you see these words are are given by a loving shepherd like a goad the shepherd uses the goad to look after his sheep one who cares and looks after his sheep who desires the very best for him so this is the case as we come to the end of ecclesiastes as the shepherd goes his sheep so god's word is to prod And to probe and to hurt to correct and to rebuke and here are the two big things in verses 13 and 14 as your takeaways for ecclesiastes please get these come with me try and engage uh, your brain and then work out what it looks like in life here are the two things verses 13 and 14 firstly to remember god look at verse 13 now all has been heard here is the conclusion of the matter says the teacher fear god and keep his commands for this is the duty of all mankind see that fear god keep his commands i've titled it remember god because back at the beginning of chapter 12 verse 1 remember your creator as the teacher comes to a conclusion in the days of your youth before the days of trouble the years approach when you will say i find no pleasure in them verse 6 remember him the teacher's winding this up and he's saying fear god this is how you fear god remember your creator verse 1 remember him and keep his commands Remember God and keep his commands. Oh, we could dive to Exodus 20. We could talk about the Ten Commandments. We could talk about that. We could. And we know that his commands are not burdensome. They're there for us to flourish, to enjoy, to be with our God, to enjoy him. But I think the teacher's got another idea. Another idea when it comes to keeping God. His commands, to keeping the commands of God. Come with me for a while on this because I think this is important. What does it look like to remember God? What does it look like to fear him and keep his commands? What commands is the teacher referring to? Chapter 11, verse 8, just have a little look. You who are young, be happy while you are young. Let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Look at the command. The command to follow the ways of your heart. The command to be happy while you are young. You see what God commands? He commands happiness and joy in delight in the good things that he gives us. And so the reverse of that, not to be happy, is to break his good law and purpose for us. Not to glorify God in his his good gifts. It is to trample on his goodness and grace. So today, this is my portion, and I'm commanded to be happy in it, to glorify God in it, to rejoice in it. I have so much to be thankful for. And this has been a big wake-up call, to live life in light of the inevitable death. This has been a big wake-up call for me. Be thankful in my portion. So yesterday... I ran the 5k health route around Langford. Do you know what? I won't do that forever. My legs and my arms and my lungs just about made it over 5k. I won't do that forever. And throughout the time, give thanks. Give thanks for health. Last night I sat and brushed Talitha's hair. After her coming out of the bath. And we watched the movie Planes. And the words of the teacher came to mind. Be happy while you are young. Young here, by the way, is not 21 and under. Young here is just not facing death. Just to clarify, uh, it's true. I know you might think I'm trying to convince you, but it's true. That's what the teacher has in mind. And so as I brushed her hair, I thought, what a joy. Here's my little girl, she won't be small forever. Be happy, follow the ways of your heart. Two times yesterday, I stopped to remember the command to be happy. Indeed, I shouldn't be surprised at this. What's the Westminster Shorter Catechism of Faith? Remember the question one, if you don't, don't worry. Here's the question, what is the chief end of man? And the answer was to glorify God and enjoy him forever. To be happy, to enjoy every good gift. Well, I sometimes struggle with that. See, I sometimes head over into thinking that it's indulgence and greed and hedonism and all of that. And you'd be right. Sometimes you'd be right. You'd be right. Look at the end of that verse. Follow the ways of your heart, whatever your eyes see. Verse 8. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. And is it talking about God judging you for being too hedonistic, for indulging too much, for being too greedy? Well, maybe so, but but I think the verse should be read in such a way that, that our enjoyment, the good gifts from God, they will also be brought into his judgment. How have I treated the good gifts from God? Have I given him great thanks for them? Have I enjoyed them? Have I been happy with my portion? As the commentator says this, human beings are supposed to enjoy life to the full because that is their divinely assigned portion and God calls one into account for failure to enjoy it. Enjoyment is not only permitted, it is commanded. It's not only an opportunity, it is a divine imperative. It's a command to enjoy the God-given gifts. Failure to enjoy the life that God has given us. It's like an offence to God, not just an oversight. I remember Corabel opening her Christmas present, three years old she was, and it was um, a Peter Rabbit tree house. And I remember the moment there was a little video clip, but um, we've got no sound, so it wouldn't matter you watching it. Uh, it was from a few years ago now. But I remember being excited to buy this gift for her. Peter Rabbit Treehouse. And I remember the moment she unwrapped it. And little feet dancing around. So delighted with the gift that we had bought. And now if she just kept that gift in the box. And put it to one side. I'd really feel shunned. And it's just like that with God and us. Here's life. Here's your portion. Enjoy. Be happy enjoy it to the full remember the teacher's heedings oh it won't bring fulfillment enjoy it to the full as you glorify god in it the gift won't bring fulfillment it won't bring gain the commentator goes on christian living collapses when it is not delighted with the bounty god gives he goes on the more joyful we are the more like god we are so can i ask you How much you're enjoying the goodness of God? You might say, Dear leader of town church, you don't really know what's going on in life. It's tough for me. And I know it's tough. Would you ask God to give you a heart that celebrates his goodness in the midst of adversity? Would you do such a thing? That's the thrust of fearing God in this book. It's the way we remember him. And look, let's go to the very end. See, the end of verse 14. If we're to remember God by following his commands and especially in light of celebrating the good gifts that he's given us, Verse 14, for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Here are the last words of the teacher. We're there, look, he's saying be ready. God will judge. Not a single stone of wrong will be left unturned. Every single word spoken, deed done, life lived, will be judged by God the teacher throughout the book has been ultimately realistic he's been realistic about life head back into chapter 4 verse 1 i saw the tears of the oppressed they have no comforter power was on the side of the oppressors they have no comforter this is the life we know what do we say to those who have suffered more than others Suffered physically, suffered mentally, suffered emotionally. Here's the ultimate answer. God will put it right. Do you see that? Verse 14 again, for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. God will put it right. Every atrocity. Every rape, every murder, every lie, every act of cheating, every harsh word spoken. Can you let those words comfort you today? Huge comfort. And yet, it's for us all who will meet him. Nothing's hidden of my life. Nothing, not one stone unturned. What does it mean for those who don't trust? Well, it means that they'll face God, death and judgment. And so this book is meant to act like a a sledgehammer, waking you up from your slumber. Stop, think about life. You will meet your maker. Live in light of the inevitable to come. That's what this book is meant to do for those who don't trust in the Lord Jesus. That might be you. What does this book mean for those who do trust him? Yes, you will face him. Yes, one day I will stand before him. And as I stand before the God of the universe who demands... Perfection, because he is perfect. He cannot have anything to do with wrong, sin, badness and evil. I will stand before him. What will he say to me? What will he say? Do you know what he'll say? He'll see Jesus. Do you get that from the teacher? He's saying this is inevitable. There's a judgment. To face. See, the one who's already faced the judgment of God stands in my place. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing. Here's God's judgment it either goes on the person, the shoulders of the person, or it goes on the shoulders of the Lord Jesus. the song we're going to sing before the throne of god above i have a strong i've got a perfect plea is a great high priest who's the one that intercedes between the father and me a great high priest whose name is love and he ever lives and he ever pleads for me So that every atrocity and bad word and action that continues to come out of my mouth, it's dealt with on the shoulders of Jesus. Because he forever lives and pleads for me. Let's wrap this up. See the two points the teacher wants us to get. Remember God. Remember him by obeying his commands. Go and enjoy. God's gift in this context in Ecclesiastics and then know please know that judgement is coming so, so get ready for it let's finish um, draw your attention to this book Johnny, Simon and myself have been helped enormously and it's worth saying on the podcast that uh, David Gibson has helped me very much I want to leave the final word to him Uh, because uh, I've pretty much plagiarised most uh, of this book in our sermons. So thank you, David, if you ever listen to this podcast. Here's what he says, right at the end. It is so striking that while Ecclesiastes tells us there is no gain to be had under the sun, the Apostle Paul says that there is, in fact, one thing to gain dying philippians 1 21 for to me to live is christ to die is gain see paul knew that in christ living and dying means win win we can labor for christ while we live and we can live with christ when we die your death and the judgment to follow the great, the great two great fixed points of your life are the very things that can reach back from the future into today and transform the life God has given you to live. So it's pretty blunt. It's pretty brutal. But there's so much joy as we think of the gain that there is to die well as we live well in Christ and that's it so thanks teacher from Ecclesiastes now it would be pretty grim if we left it all here in Longfields Primary School just head knowledge in and out in and out in and out now the challenge is to go and live live in light of death and judgment to come with the hope of christ that reigns supreme knowing that he has faced the judgment that i deserve let me pray and then we will sing that song before the throne of god above father god um so much there and there have been so much waffle from my mouth uh so much that's not clear and yet thank you that it is still your word and thank you that the teacher, uh, right at the end, helps us to remember two key things: that, that life is about remembering you, keeping your commands especially um, to be happy with our portion, to give you great thanks for the life that you've lived, live, uh, the life that you've given us, but not to find gain or fulfilment in those things. Gain and fulfilment are only found in you and then thank you for the reminder again that judgment will come that should give us great comfort as every atrocity is dealt with either on the shoulders of Jesus or on the shoulders of the perpetrator and thank you that means for those of us that trust in you we have great hope that our judgment has fallen on the shoulders of the Lord Jesus. And we go free. We have a strong and a perfect plea. Father God, would you help us to live this week in light of these two big things from the teacher. We need all your help to live these words out. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.